you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You know, that is driving me crazy. What, you ask? We shall talk about that in the upcoming episode of Sass with Cass, the original. We will also talk about some changes to the show in the way of a new focus or a campaign, if you will. Of course, you know about all the crazy things going on around in the world, and I've got an opinion. Stay tuned for this and more. Did you know Sass with Cass, the original, is on Instagram and Facebook? Go follow or like today. Look for the purple logo. It's easy, and by doing so, you're automatically entering your name in a random future giveaway. Keep listening to future podcasts for details. Want to know it first? you got to follow on Instagram or Facebook. And welcome, Sass with Cast the original listeners. This is Season 1, Episode 8, Driving Me Crazy. Happy Independence Weekend to all of you. Speaking of independence... What in the world is going on out there? Riots are getting more violent. I can't scroll through any social media without some video or reference to the latest attacks. This group's main concern is to bring awareness to violence that they've suffered, yet they're doing it by attacking innocent people. How does this fix the situation? Please tell me. I saw an article about a guy who simply pointed out that a group of individuals were cutting in line at a checkout. Saw the video. The guy was immediately verbally attacked, name-calling and making fun of his appearance. As if that wasn't enough, once he left the store, some of the individuals attacked him in the parking lot, beating him senseless, calling him names. The last one of the group apparently finished their purchases and walked out to the guy who was propped up against his car, bleeding from his head, and kicked him and yelled, blank 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 matter the guy refused medical treatment and didn't want to be identified for fear of his safety later he also stated that he didn't fight back because it was useless then there was another incident a woman was being verbally accosted by two other ladies that were videoing the incident they were screaming at the woman and blocking her from getting into her vehicle finally what was later learned to be her husband comes on scene makes his way through the two screaming ladies demanding they leave as he opened the door and let his wife in the vehicle. He made his way back around and into the driver's seat. The two ladies were screaming and videoing the entire time. The lady inside the car rolled her window down and did her best to defuse the situation by assuring them that, quote, she cared about them. Now, in my opinion, she should have just left the window up and moved on, but she felt safe inside her car and wanted to make sure that she said her piece because God knows the other two ladies were saying theirs. Then, As the one lady videoing the incident seemed to be retreating, the other lady made her way behind the moving vehicle. Of course, the man stopped, and the next thing we see on camera is the lady exiting her vehicle with a gun in her hand ready. Her voice has gone from patient to urgent. She's pleading with them to back off. She pleads with them with stern, clear words that they cannot hear because they're screaming, Call the police! The lady with the gun makes her way 
to the back of the vehicle, clearing a path, and then gets back inside her vehicle. There's no more video after that. Now, folks, did you notice something about the way I told you about these instances? Did you notice that I did not one time mention the color of a skin? Why? Because that's the point I needed to make here. The media is stirring the pot by constantly bringing color into the equation. The story can be told without color. Did you assume the race of the individuals? Well, that's on you. I won't fill in the specifics, but I will tell you this much. The fact is, all lives matter. I hope that if I were to bear witness to such horrific incident, that I would step up and defend. I don't care who's wrong or right, what color, what hairstyle, what they're wearing, or even who started it. The human thing to do, the decent human thing to do, is to help your fellow mankind. I don't even have to like you, but I hope I do my best to defend you. Now, what I find interesting is the police was the first thing on the minds of those who are riding and screaming, defund the police. Hypocrites. That's all y'all are. I can promise you this much, and these videos have proven it. You can talk a big talk and be aggressive, but the moment someone puts it back on you, you're going to scream for protection. So maybe you should do one of two things. A. Avoid the confrontation and quit acting like you're better than anyone else on God's green earth. Or B, be ready to meet your maker, whoever that is. Because my daddy always said, out there in this world is someone who's bigger, stronger, faster, and braver than you. I'm going to add to that because the times have changed. There's also people out there with nothing to lose attitude. And their bad day has just pushed them to a breaking point that we may not know about. Approaching them is like pulling a pin on a grenade. Scream about defunding the police all you want, but the bottom line is this. If you or someone you love becomes a victim, you will want the first responders by your side. The choice is yours as to which first responder will get to your side. The one with the badge and the skill to settle things, or the one with the body bag? Are you offended? Does the sound of my voice offend you? Do the words I speak offend you? I've heard that there are a lot of people out there that get offended by the least little thing anymore. And frankly, I'm offended that you're offended. So I'll give you a secret to coping with being offended. I've practiced this my whole life. Though I'm not medically trained, I'm sure this remedy will bring you great health as your blood pressure is sure to decrease and your life could be saved. The remedy is simple. Just hit stop right now on the device you're listening through. Right now, just hit stop. Unsubscribe to the podcast and search for one that does not offend you. Thank you, and this message is brought to you by Sass with Cass, the original. I'm Cass. And I approve this message. Coming back. I'm going to get off this soapbox and jump on another one. If you listen to episode 8, I think I announced that I was going to work on a new approach, or format if you will, for the podcast beginning with this episode. Why? Well, I listened to a few of them. And I've listened to a few others out there that are similar. And I figured it was time to change if I wanted this to grow. It needed a direction. A purpose, if you will. I also decided I didn't really like hearing myself, but I want you to like it. And I'm going to do my best to clean up a little bit and try not to sound so vulgar. Don't worry, I'm saving my sugar for my sweet tea. Forgive me now because I will slip up. I'm not a professional. Before I talk expanding the show's purpose, let me dive into today's main topic. Driving me crazy. I have held on to this topic for a few weeks, 
I actually started to record it as an opening episode, but I decided that I needed to give it a little bit more thought and gather some more content. What do I mean when I say driving me crazy? How many guessed it? It's actually simple. I'm talking about driving. You knew it was coming. Anybody that knows me knows it was coming. After lockdown ended and I was back out on the road, my content research was back in full swing. Even with the fewer people on the roads, the crap people does is not any better. Before I begin with my no sugar or sweeteners added opinion of this dangerous topic, let me start with saying this comes from many, many, many years of experience. I've always taken driving as a privilege, and with that privilege comes significant responsibilities. I learned what privileges were as a kid. I didn't have a lot of them, but when I got them, I knew I earned them. I also knew they could easily be taken away. When I get into my car, even when I'm alone, I'm making conscious decision to take the lives of those I share the road with, as well as my own, into my hands. I literally have control, and I make decisions some last minute that will impact myself and an unknown number of others around me. To put it in perspective for today's crowd, my life matters. My love of driving started as a kid. I've always loved cars and I still do. As a kid, I preferred Matchbox cars over Barbie's hands down. I asked for a radio controlled car just about every Christmas as a kid. Don't get me wrong. I did get some awesome stuff, but I never got that radio-controlled car. Best thing about Barbies was they had the Barbie Jeep and Corvette. I never got those either. I did get remote-controlled cars. You know the ones with the cord attached and you had to follow it around like a puppy on a leash? Yeah, those. They lasted for all of about a day. Now, I kind of got ahead of myself. When I was about four or five, I remember my parents had motorcycles. As I recall it, my daddy had an orange and white Yamaha 350 two-stroke with large one-piece seat and a strap in the middle to hold on to. I think he added the seat back for me at some point, but I remember riding with him and absolutely loving it. I loved it so much that one time I burned my leg on the exhaust and for fear of losing the privilege, I didn't tell my parents. (laughs) They told me what not to do and I made a mistake. I suffered the consequences and got burnt. Of course, they later saw the burn and I was scolded for not telling. As I got older, I would rip and romp around the neighborhood of my small town on my bike or skateboard. Bike, I think it was purple with a white seat. It was one of those with a banana seat and tall handlebars. I wore that bike out. I cut my knee on the seat because the cover was so worn out on the front edge and I had tape over it so many times, so many different layers. I guess we didn't have a good Gorilla tape then. Sadly, the tape just never lasted. But you know, I think I still have the scars. Speaking of scars, It's a testament to the times when I say we rode bikes on the roadways without helmets and knee pads. We didn't have lights or mirrors either. Oh, but we wanted lights because that was cool. Me and my friends may have ridden in the streets, but we respected the roadways and we knew even then that cars were the enemy. I remember many times I hit the ditch to avoid a car. Walking just wasn't an option when I had wheels. No matter what though, I was always wanting to go faster. My daddy fed my need for speed with my first mini bike. It was a short little red thing with a square foam pad seat and fat knobby tires. I think it was either a Sears or Montgomery Ward special. I don't know where he got it, but but I was in love with it. Sadly, that little thing got stolen. Not many memories of it come to mind except a neighbor being cocky and taking off landing headfirst in a large shrub by the house. 
Of course, the natural progression of the times gave way to us moving from bikes to mopeds. I was fortunate enough to have two. They were both yellow. One was easy to start. You just turn the switch on, gas on, find an incline, held the throttle as you pedal as hard as you can, and it'd start up. The other one, we'd have to put on a stand, turn on the gas, hold the throttle, hold the brake, while you pedaled as hard as possible waiting for it to fire up. Now, if you accidentally leaned forward and knocked it off the stand while pedaling, you'd find yourself taking off like a slingshot. We learned to hold that brake because inevitably it would fire up as we leaned forward and knocked it off the stand, propelling us into overdrive like a rocket. Those were a blast. Ironically, I don't recall us ever wearing helmets on those either. I do remember that I had to do my chores to earn gas and the privilege of riding. I'd scrounge up the money and ride my bike over to the local fast fare and get gas. Have you ever ridden a bike and carried a gas can? I did that a lot. So, having skateboards and mini bikes and bikes and mopeds meant one thing. We had to experience go-karts. My, my dad introduced us to go-tarts, and I thought I had my first hot rod. I mean, come on, it was a car. It had a gas pedal and brakes at your feet and steering wheel. One we had was red, and if I recall, it was a one-seater. There's a small recollection of a white one racing go-kart in the entourage of the wheels of my childhood, but the red one was my favorite. Yeah, talk about speed. Game was on. Me and a neighbor friend used to show just how brave we were. We would take it up the hill beside our house and ride it down the hill, jumping a block wall that divided our yards. The wall was only about three blocks tall, but we felt like we were race car drivers. One time, I rode on the back of it, next to the engine where we weren't meant to ride. As we made our way down the very bumpy yard toward the wall, my elbow came in contact with a spark plug and it sat right on top of the motor and shocked the ever-loving shit out of me. I don't know to this day if I held on because I was scared or because of the shock, but we made the jump. The funny part about that jump is, at the end of it was our small aluminum utility building where we kept all the bikes and mopeds and outdoor toys. If the driver didn't steer to the left, we'd drive right through it. We never did. We did come really close several times. We clipped the corner, and once we even stopped as we hit the door. We were skilled drivers even at that young age. To show off our skill, we had a piece of a property that all of us turned into what we called the city. We scraped up our own little roadway with stop signs and gas stations and stores and parking lots and restaurants. We had bikes and mopeds and go-karts zipping along our little city streets. As a kid, I learned how to navigate the streets with respect to myself and other drivers. When I wanted to act a fool, I found myself jumping through trails in the woods just beyond the city or on the go-kart down the neighbor's side yard and over the wall. There was and is a time and place for everything, and we learned that early in life. Sass with Cass, the original on social media? Why not? In the coming weeks, listeners that subscribe will be the first to know about some giveaways as well as things that don't make it to the podcast. What are you waiting on? Follow Sass with Cass, the original, today. Welcome back. Now I've just taken you through some time early in my life behind the wheel. I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of experience with driving various modes of transportation, starting as a child. So now we jump into a much anticipated teen years when the excitement over getting your permit was as exciting as winning under the Friday night lights against a crosstown rival. My daddy and I shared the love of cars. He had cars and lots of them over the years. I fell in love with this one particular one, a 1977 Pontiac Trans Am. My parents had bought it brand new, and it, I made it known early on that I wanted that car when I got my license. 
I didn't want to see it go like so many of them he had let go. When it came time for me to learn to drive, that car was still in our possession. I thought for sure I was going to get to learn to drive it. Boy, was I wrong. Remember, my daddy had a lot of cars. Well, he had this one that had become our family car. A Mercury Grand Marquis Classic. It was yellow, four doors. I think the first four-door vehicle we'd ever owned. It's what I called the banana boat. A luxury car compared to the Trans Am because it had power windows and a cassette stereo. It was also the car I was told I had to learn to drive before I was allowed to even get behind the wheel of the Trans Am. Looking back, I'm very grateful for that because I learned a few valuable lessons. One lesson was luxury wasn't always that great. Power options go bad, and when I had to start the day by attaching a battery charger to it before school every morning, you learn that power everything can be a pain in the ass. Secondly, I learned that real friends don't judge you by the things you have, or in this case, the car you drive. When my friends saw me pull up at school in the big yellow banana boat, I was not made fun of, and if I was, I grew a thick skin and moved on past it. Being offended wasn't in my vocabulary. Lastly, I learned that by driving the banana boat, I was learning to drive anything. The banana boat was a whopping 15 and a half inches longer than the Trans Am and about 978 pounds more in weight. Heck, the car I drive today is 498 pounds heavier than the Trans Am. Lessons kids today just don't learn. I venture to guess not too many drive anything except the car their parent buys them when they get old enough to get their permit and start practicing. I realized I was one of the lucky ones even in my time. My daddy had a love of cars and we had our choice of them. Not many have that, even today. They didn't have it then, and that's okay. Where am I going with this backstory? I'm simply showing that I have experience. I've also traveled most of this country and been behind the wheel of many cars. As a matter of fact, the other day, my son and I were talking about cars, and I counted up, and I've had eight cars and three motorcycles since I started driving. I've had zero accidents due to my negligence. Knock on wood. My first experience was in that Trans Am. A classmate backed up on me while parked at the junior high dropping off siblings. He crinkled the front nose of the car with his metal bumper of his Mustang wannabe. Can't remember what kind of car it was, and I was so furious. I remember the kid's name though. I had to paint that spot and be reminded of it every time I watched it. I've been hit once on 285 in Atlanta. Pretty sure the guy was distracted by his bag phone as he came up on me at a very high rate of speed. Thankfully, I had a spare tire in the back of my blazer and he literally bounced off of it. I walked away with a little sore and a bumper and tire damage. His car was towed away and the hood was so close to the windshield that we could barely put our fist between it. I remember the cop trying to cite me for following too close, though I didn't hit the car in front of me. That was quickly dismissed on the scene when folks pointed out that we were stopped in rush hour traffic and I was, in fact, literally standing on the brakes, avoiding impact with the car in front of me. The dude next to me saw me lifting my butt from the seat moments before I was hit. He thought I was getting out of the car. So I guess I'm a very defensive and aware driver. Probably a rare breed. So remember how I said the guy that hit me from behind in Atlanta because he was probably distracted by his back phone? Well, that, folks, is where this is going. You want to know what is driving me crazy? Fellow drivers and their distractions. We have evolved in time and technology. Today, we no longer have those bag phones strapped to the hump in the floorboard or sitting in the seat beside us. We have these little devices that fit in our hand. Some people don't know how to get it out of their hand. Sadly, it isn't just phones that distract drivers. 
Sometimes they just don't give a crap about others. That in itself is an issue with society. Society's selfish. I've said it many times. I wish someone could justify to me why drivers cannot do better. It's not just one gender or age group either. I see it across the board. It may be what you consider small things, but they can lead to big things when you're driving a 4,000 pound deadly weapon. Yes, folks, a car is considered a deadly weapon. Let me dish out a quick definition here. A deadly weapon is an object that when used as an instrument of offense is capable of causing serious bodily injury. People, we're giving our 16 year old a deadly weapon. You are operating a deadly weapon. Your grandparents are operating a deadly weapon. Wise up and take it serious. I've said for years that we should institute real driver's test every eight years at least. Driver's ed needs to come back to the schools. I wanted to get my motorcycle license again. I had let it go 20 years ago. I also knew that while I'm a good driver, y'all ain't, and getting on a motorcycle with no shell of protection scares the shit out of me. So in order to feel safe, I took the motorcycle safety course. Now this course was once offered through the states, and I think it is in most states, but it's since fallen victim to budget cuts and is now offered through Harley in our area. Same course, some of the same people teaching it, at least in my area. The biggest benefit to me was it allowed me to get my butt back on the seat and actually ride a motorcycle again to see if I was ready emotionally. The added bonuses was I learned some things I was never really taught and I got to forego the road test once I held my permit for X number of days. After three days of this class, I can honestly say I walked away with mixed feelings, but confidence. I also learned things that I had kind of just let go in my mind. That's the kind of test we need for drivers. Laws change and we get into a rhythm of doing things and just forget that we may be cutting corners and just getting by. Taking this class and being held accountable for actions would make drivers more aware. Now, you're all not out here driving like out of control kid who just got their go-kart and has decided to jump a block wall. But you damn sure are out there driving like you're the only one on the roads and to the hell with the rest of us. My drive to work is about 30 minutes each way. I literally go to work and go home. That's it. Driving that drive, I have seen so many examples of drivers with no concern for themselves or others. First and foremost, the number one rule of driving is keeping your head on a swivel. Always, always, always look. Don't just rely on your mirrors. Turn your ever-loving heads. Look quickly in your mirror and turn so that your nose is in line with your shoulder and look both directions before you make a lane change or a turn. Doing this is guaranteed to save lives and heartache, I promise. Motorcyclists are often victims because drivers claim they didn't see them. When if they had only turned their head and not just glanced in a mirror, they would have seen them. Speaking of mirrors, the first thing you need to buy for your car is those small little blind spot mirrors. You know, every vehicle I've had gets that as the first of many modifications. I find I just can't drive without them. Second rule, put your phones down. Every vehicle these days has the capability of Bluetooth. If yours doesn't, there's tons available aftermarkets. Heck, contact me, I'll help you install one. I have Bluetooth in two of our four vehicles and I absolutely love it. When I drive the ones that don't have Bluetooth, I'm literally lost because I can't send a text or I can't answer the phone. But that's also the time that I can actually tell my family that I didn't get their call or text because I don't, under any circumstance, have my phone in my hand during my drive. 
Now my primary vehicle, it's connected via Bluetooth and my texts are read to me. I can press a button on the steering wheel, listen, and I can respond without touching the phone. If it rings, I don't have to reach for the phone and fumble to swipe right to answer. I simply press a green button on my steering wheel and talk. When I'm done, I hit a red button on the steering wheel and I never skip a beat. It drives me crazy to be driving along and see a car similar to mine with the driver holding their cell phone like a hot dog talking in the bottom of it. I know they got Bluetooth. I know it. I want to stop them and give them a quick lesson on using it. Don't get me started on those of you who drive with a phone propped on the steering wheel. I see you. Like the lady in the dark grayish Nissan Rogue headed to Bull County the other day. I saw you texting and driving. Looking up and down rapidly as you drive along slower than the rest of us in the fast lane. Scrolling through that phone or texting. And this pisses me off to no end. If I finally get to pass you and I have been known to do so, I will roll my window down and tell you to put your phone down. Some heard me surprisingly. One day I was driving along and noticed this little girl on a Volkswagen Beetle. She was hugging the left lane like she was on a Sunday stroll while she was texting. I could see her clearly. I got beside her at an intersection and she was still looking at her phone. She never looked up. I inched forward like I like to do to some of these people. And because she saw my car move out of her peripheral vision, she began to move forward as well and almost hit the car in front of her. I smiled and I yelled, put your phone down, sweetie. You might make it through high school. She had a school sticker on the back window and I knew she was a high school student. Anyway, later on I decided I was going to contact the school. I did so in a very nice email. I described the car and the girl. I told the principal what happened and that I hoped that my message would get to the girl and maybe even her parents because I wanted to see her graduate. I got a message back a few days later thanking me for the kind message and I was assured that the student was given a copy of the email. Did you know Sass with Cast the original is now up to over 130 downloads? These numbers will only climb if you continue to listen and tell friends. This is a great accomplishment and due in part to you and the podcast platforms who help distribute this show. Sass with Cast the original is available on several podcast platforms including Anchor.fm, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google, Radio Public, Overcast, Pandora, and many more. The growth of this podcast depends on you. Thank you for your support, and please share with your friends. Now, some of you may think I was a bit extreme by contacting that girl's school, and, and that's okay. You have your opinion. But let me tell you one of the reasons why I did it. When I started driving, my daddy gave me a newspaper clipping. It was from a Dear Abby column, and I still have it to this day. Yeah, I keep a lot of things. <laughs> I'm going to read to you right now. Dear Abby, recently my 16-year-old son was a pallbearer at a funeral for his friend Juan Carlos, also 16. Juan was a fine boy, clean-cut, courteous, an honor student, second in his class of 132, and an altar server of his church. He was an only child. His mother was 45 and his father was 51 when he was born. They loved this boy so much. He wasn't spoiled and he had many friends. Juan was driving a small car, a birthday present from his parents. He changed lanes and was speeding to pass a slow car. He was killed in a head-on collision with a truck. He never had a chance. It could have happened to my son or any other boy who took a chance and drove too fast. Please run your article. Please God, I'm only 17. It may save a young life. Now I still have, like I said, that article. And I'm going to let you hear the reading of this Please God, I'm only 17 as read by my son. 
The day I died was an ordinary school day. How I wish I had taken the bus. But I was too cool for the bus. Uh, I remember how I wheedled the car out of mom. Special favor I pleaded. All the kids drive, I said. When the 250 bell rang, I threw all of my books in the locker. I was free until 8.40 tomorrow morning. I ran to the parking lot, excited at the thought of driving a car and being my own boss. Free. I was finally free. It doesn't matter how the accident happened. I was goofing off, going too fast, taking crazy chances, but I was enjoying my freedom and having fun. The last thing I remember was passing an older lady who seemed to be going awfully slow. Uh, next thing I know, I heard a deafening crash and I felt a terrible jolt, glass and steel flying everywhere. My whole body seemed to be turning inside out. I heard myself scream. Suddenly I awakened. It was very quiet. A police officer was standing over me, and then I saw a doctor, and my body was mangled and was saturated with blood. Pieces of jagged glass were sticking out all over. Strange I couldn't feel anything. Hey, don't pull the sheet over my head. I can't be dead. I'm only 17. I've got a date tonight. I'm supposed to grow up. I have a wonderful life. I haven't even lived yet. Later, I was placed in a drawer. My folks had to identify me. Why didn't they have to see me like this? Why did I have to look at Mom's eyes when she faced the most terrible ordeal of her life? Dad said they looked like an old man. He told the man in charge, yes, that's my son. The funeral was a weird experience. I saw all of my relatives and friends walk towards the casket. They passed by one by one and looked at me with the saddest eyes I've ever seen. Some of my buddies were crying. A few of the girls touched my hand and sobbed as they walked away. Please, somebody, wake me up. Get me out of here. I, can, I can't bear to see my mom and dad so broken up. My grandparents are so racked and with grief they can hardly walk. My brothers and sisters are like zombies. They move like robots. In a daze, everybody, no one can believe this, and I can't believe it either. Please don't bury me. I'm not dead. I have a lot of living to do. I want to laugh and run again. I want to sing and dance. Please don't put me in the ground. I promise if you give me just one more chance. God, I'll be the most careful driver in the whole world. All I want is one more chance. Please. God, I'm only 17. Now let's talk about that passing lane. Do you even know what that means? All 50 states permit drivers to use the left lane for passing when there is more than one car traveling in the same direction. However, most states don't allow left lane usage for slow-moving vehicles that make no attempt to pass or turn. Some restrictive state laws designate the left lane only for passing or turning left, while other states require drivers to move right if they are blocking left lane traffic behind them. I read that directly from the laws. On any given day, I can see drivers driving less than a posted speed limit in the passing lane on a multi-lane road. Seriously, folks, move over. I call all these people left lane huggers with a Z because you're obviously catching some Zs instead of thinking about driving. That passenger side of your vehicle is not meant for passing. If you see cars passing you on that side, the hint is to move over. Get it. Get the hint. Move over. Know the road that you're on and how to navigate it safely. If you don't know the road, the right lane is the safest place for you to be. If you're approaching an intersection with a light, you're the only one approaching from the direction that you're coming, 
move to the left lane. Why? Because you know darn good and well that there's an idiot sitting at that light ready to jump out in front of you because they're just too darn impatient and they got to turn right on red. The easy fix would be that we would all practice not being an idiot and jump out and turn right on red all the time. If you're coming up on an intersection where there's no merge lane for traffic coming in, it's safe to do so. Use the left lane. We have this new bypass here that I use sometimes that dumps out onto a busy four-lane road. Every single time I go that direction, I see traffic coming from my left. And shockingly, they're actually riding in the right lane. Oftentimes, they have a clear left lane, but they refuse to move over. And I've been known to roll out just a little bit to get them to think that I'm going to pull out and hope they move over. They're probably asleep, though, because most of the time they don't. Typical, when you want them in the left lane, they won't go. At the same time, if you're entering on a busy road, usually a two-lane road, a single lane from a ramp, like when you're coming down a ramp, you do not have the right-of-way to just pull out into oncoming traffic. You're supposed to merge. Merge into the traffic, and that means you should be going slow and steady, waiting for an opening with your blinker on. This happens all the time, US 2729 intersection. Either direction is bad because you either have, you enter the main flow of traffic from these ramps and there's a red light just a few hundred feet away that causes the traffic to stop. I have seen drivers ride the shoulder all the way to the next intersection rather than simply slow down and wait to merge into traffic. The rule of thumb is you cannot expect to enter the flow of traffic and automatically give them the right of way. You are to merge with the flow. And I'll be damned if I'm going to move over for you when you don't even attempt to signal or slow down. If I have the option to move over, I will. But I do not and will not slow down for you to enter my path. Now, when you're making a turn and you turn to the lane closest to you, that means, folks, if you're turning onto a two-lane road, you turn into the lane on the left. Once you're straight, then you can move over to the right lane. Again, keep the left lane clear and use your turn signals. If you use the left lane, do it right. Pass the vehicle or vehicles and then return to the right lane. Don't sit in the left lane just going one click slower than the car you got out from behind. That's just downright selfish and stupid. Turning lanes or suicide lanes. Oh my God. On a four lane road, there's some two lane roads there's, that a median is just marked with soldered lines on the outside and dotted lines on the inside. Please don't use this as a travel lane. Pull out, get your car straightened up, turn your signal on, and wait. Do not travel down that center lane at a posted speed and jump out in front of someone as soon as you see fit. That's selfish and dangerous. Do not, do not ever take off as soon as you see a green light. I don't care if an idiot behind you blows a horn. Wait. Count 1-1000, 2-1000, 3-1000. But do this while you're scanning to see that other cars are stopped on each side. Then go. That's defensive driving. Speaking of green lights, to all those drivers that love to run stoplights, I see this on a regular. And I can name intersections and often the times I see the same offenders. Because we're all making the same trip the same time of day. We have signals at back-to-back -back intersections, industry and coals here. Both of those intersections are run on the daily by the wonderful Peco Company trucks. That's right, folks. I called you out. Peco drivers that drive those big rigs will run those, those lights come hell or high water. When you're approaching an intersection with a signal, 
you should be scanning that intersection. You should be looking for cars that are inching forward, indicating that they may be turning and they're preparing for the signal to turn. If there's crosswalk signs, look quickly. And if you don't see, it has changed the don't walk for walkers going in the same direction as you. The signal is about to turn. You should be preparing to stop. Anytime you approach an intersection, your foot should not be on the gas. You should be hovering, hovering your foot near the brake. Tap the brake to indicate to drivers behind you that you may stop. This is defensive driving. And these are all free tips. There's so many drivers out there that just drive me crazy. It's just basics. It's simple common sense. And it's also human decency. Sadly, when we add the phones to the equation of these selfish drivers, the situations will become even more deadly. And I'm begging folks, just put your phone away. Let's put it in perspective. My life matters. It's because of these people that I've decided to focus my efforts via this podcast on bringing awareness to the dangers of distracted driving. That's right. I'm going to point out the drivers who choose to do something else that refocuses their attention from the very important privilege of driving their vehicle. Why? Because my life matters. I'm going to personally make it my goal to educate and bring awareness to distracted driving today. Now wait, before you stop listening, not every episode from here on out will be about distracted driving. I still have a lot of sassy things to cover. I will have a segment during each episode where I bring attention to a driver or drivers that I felt put lives in danger while I was driving during the many times on the road. I will not be seeking those drivers out because trust me, my little 30 minute trip to and from work brings them to me. Through my own efforts via selling swag and other things, I will also work to raise funds for an organization that I found has the same goals as me, NDD.org. I'll have links to this organization on my website and social media. And speaking of website, in the near future, SAS with Cass will have a new website. That's right. You'll soon be able to find this podcast episodes, some things that didn't make the podcast, and other resources on sasswithcast.com. I'm building it now, and I'll let you know when it's up as soon as it's going. Of course, you can always get the news first by subscribing to our Facebook and Instagram feeds. I appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode today. It was a bit long, but one that I've been saving. I hope you all come back for the next episode, because I'm going to get personal, and I have a potential guest joining me. Until next time, everyone please stay sassy, have a safe and happy 4th of July weekend, and remember... My life matters.